and we are recording on Wednesday, September 21st, 2022, 4.09 p.m. Eastern Time episode. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 922 with the one and the only Dr. Diaz. We may not look alike. And we may have technically been born from different mothers in different countries, but Dr. Diaz and I are actually brothers. So a lot of people don't know that. And uh, Dr. Diaz, please introduce yourself. I mean, it's a pleasure, like always, to be here with you. I'm Dr. Alex or Alejandro Diaz. That's a long uh, part of the name. And uh, I'm a pediatric allergist, immunologist, a global health specialist, and immigration doctor. And it's a pleasure always to be with you, brother. Well, and obviously, you. obviously, we don't look alike because you're much more better looking than, than oh, I am. But, uh... Oh, you. Oh, you. <laughs> Dr. Diaz has the humble trait and I don't. So I'll smile and just say, I am, but <laughs> like an asshole. Excuse my French. <laughs> but so, Dr. Diaz, you have, you have been on top of, uh, more so than other people, you've been on top of monkeypox. I mean, really, from when we first started talking about it, I want to say like two months ago. Um, and, um, You've been sending me, you've been sending me articles, you've been sending me links showing the exponential growth of it and how it is not the end of the world, like people thought COVID was, but you're very clear to say this is also not nothing. We, we got, you know, it's kind of the boy who cried wolf. I think a lot of us are very fatigued from COVID. And when, it, when they say there's a new, you just kind of like, shut up, but you can't do that because there are still very real diseases out there that even if this past one was maybe overblown and unfortunately destroyed the trust in a lot of people, you can't destroy it entirely. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And uh, to practice what I preach, could you maybe inform people what exactly is going on, how bad it is, and what should we be expecting in the future? Yeah, thank you so much, Tommy, uh, for having me on your show. And uh, it's a pleasure, like always. And yes, well, everything started it uh, on May, around May 6th, the first week of May, the first outbreak outside of Africa, which is a, a, an endemic area, specifically in Central and Western Africa. Uh, we have seen monkeypox since 1970. So it was originally in the, the Republic, uh, Democratic Republic of El Congo, country and it started there and then it went to other places like let's say some Liberia, uh Ivory Coast, the south of Sudan, which is a, one of the largest countries in in uh, in Africa, and um Sierra Leone, so, you know, many other countries there. It's about eleven countries in Central and Western Africa. But we haven't seen anything like this ever. Um there was an outbreak back in two thousand three in the US <clears throat> where 47 persons got infected with uh, monkeypox. And that was because it was imported uh, rodents and mammals from Nigeria through the state of Texas, specifically in the, in the city of Dallas. And, you know, people purchased this uh, mammals and, and uh, 
and rodents and they got infected. But that was just about it. Nothing happened. Nothing weird happened. Nobody died. You know, it was just uh, just the infection. That's it. But starting on the first week of May this year, 2000, 2022, um, in the United Kingdom, they started to see this um, outbreaks of monkeypox cases. And then it went down virtually all over Europe. And then around the May 16 or 19, the first uh, case in the United States, actually in the, in the state of Massachusetts. And from there, it just went crazy all over the world, virtually all over the world. So right now, after four months of, of the, this new outbreak, we have more than 65,000 cases in 106 countries in the five continents. And um, unfortunately, the United States it uh, has been uh, severely hit by, by, by this disease. We have more than 24,000 cases in the U.S. We have 7,000 cases, just roughly a little bit more than 7,000 cases in Spain, which is the second uh, uh, you know, largest uh, number of cases. And in Brazil, Brazil is the third country with almost 7,000 cases. Whereas in China, up until last week, it was the first case, and they have only one case right now. In Russia, they have two cases right now. And if you go to all the countries like Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, and so on, in that area of the world, including Mongolia, no cases. There are some cases in Japan, Singapore, South Korea, no cases in North Korea, um, but all over Europe and from Canada to Argentina, full of cases. In Mexico, around 1,500 cases. So the distribution of this disease is quite, it's quite interesting, you know, from the, including the geopolitical standpoint. So, you know, there's a lot to discuss about this. So of the global 65,000, the United States is 24? Yes, sir. As why, we speak. Why, why is that? Why, is, there, is there any particular reason? It, I mean, we're genetically, we're pretty, a pretty big melting pot. And I, I wouldn't say that, you know, cities are necessarily something unique to the United States. What is it? If, if you have the answer, obviously, that's a, that's a big question. There is, there is no genetics involved, Tommy. Zero, no genetics at all. Okay. Um, there is no tendency for one person more than other person in terms of, uh, you know, acquiring the disease from the uh, genetic standpoint. But I think it's more related to behaviors, to specific behaviors. We, we have seen this disease, you know, and this, this is... Uh, information from the WHO and the CDC that the vast majority of cases worldwide has been in the uh, male uh, homosexual and bisexual community. That's the vast majority of cases. And there are three major causes of, of transmission. Number one is close contact. Uh, number two is sexually transmitted disease. 
And number three, it's um, respiratory drop, droplets. So those are the main the main sources of of uh, you know con uh, contagious. And uh, you know it's interesting how the distribution worldwide of the disease is going. And um, you know a lot a lot to to analyze about this disease. Um, just purely judging from from our from our texts. Um, and maybe this is a, a shallow observation from me, but you seem to be more concerned about this than, say, strep throat or poison ivy or whatever. Um, what is it about this that is, I mean, all diseases are, are bad, but it's also like, um, you know, doesn't lessen the burden of it, but miscarriages do happen. Uh, I would imagine if you're a seasoned doctor, although heartbreaking to see, Okay, but they happen. Surgeries do go bad. People don't always get better from cancer. People don't always survive a car crash. That doesn't lessen the 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 heaviness of those losses, but you also maybe wouldn't ring a bell and say this is this is crazy. From my again shallow observations or superficial observations, you do seem to be more concerned or at least focused on this what is it about this and i don't know if i've asked that in past episodes so please excuse me if i'm if i'm going over the same material but what is it about this that seems to or in in your mind as a as a medical when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply professional has you more concerned or perked up well first of all uh tommy we have to understand and we have to look this at uh from the health you know the, the public health standpoint and the epidemiology standpoint so in context first case first case ever detected in humans was back in 1970 at the Democratic Republic of El Congo. Uh, and it has been there for 52 years in 11 countries of Central and Western Africa with uh, outbreaks every two or three day, uh, years, you know, outbreaks here, there. But it has been contained in, in those countries, you know, plus the outbreak that we had in 2003 with 47 persons got, got infected in the U.S., we said that we went through that, but the main question here for you know, for doctors and and uh, you know healthcare students and people that understand and, and study uh, public health, why now we we're having this uh, out of the charts outbreak of sixty five thousand people in five continents in one hundred and six countries. And it's the vast majority in North North America, South America, North America, Central America, and South America, and Europe. It seems like the rest of the of the of the hemisphere, it's kind of, you know, 
it's kind of actually it's very low, you know, very low numbers. Uh, why, why, why are we having this? It, you know, it's that's a tough question. It's it's very hard, but something that I can tell you as an immunologist is that just right after or during this pandemic, you know, we have lockdowns, we have the the vaccines, excessive hygiene, masks, and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, there there is this uh, hygiene hypothesis uh, that it started around the end of the, the 1980s, probably the beginning of the, the 90s, by uh, a, a, an immunologist, American, American immunologist, that he started to see that societies that they have hyper hygiene and so on and so forth, they started to get a lot of infections and a lot of allergies and so on. So I, I definitely believe that that it's because of all this, all this uh, lockdowns and everything, this hyper hygiene, that our immune system definitely dropped and it hasn't been challenged enough. And this is why we're having these outbreaks. But the reason why, why we are seeing basically on this hemisphere, it's it's very concerning. You know, I, I don't know if this is a geopolitical thing or it's a strictly, um, uh, you know, a public health issue or epidemiology issue. You know, it's hard to it's hard to tell. But if you see the map, you know, if if you see the map, how it's distributing, it's kind of uh, you know a lot of things to think about this. So if it's not, if it's not, you know specific to genetics so you can rule out why it would be with one country or another and the hygiene hypothesis would i would imagine apply to most of mankind aside from you know really you know broken poor nations but if anything everyone would have sort of been leveled out during the lockdowns i'd say like the hygiene hypothesis has been you know equally applied across the world Exactly. And thus, it wouldn't necessarily be specific to monkeypox. It would probably be monkeypox is just the one that it is, but it just it could have been a number of diseases that would take off more than normal that would. So as a geopolitical issue in that it was engineered or do you mean geo? I mean, because I don't. I've, you know, as someone that has been banned from most platforms, I have to always clarify that I speak for myself and not for Diaz <laughs> or talk anybody. But do you mean geopolitical in terms of immigration and free travel? Maybe, you know, more totalitarian countries where everything is locked down, they aren't moving a lot? Or in that it is a, is this a form of biowarfare? Well, uh, Tommy, it, it, you know, it's a very, very tough, it's a very tough question. It's a, it's, it's, this is a very interesting analysis that we can do and we can, you know, we can discuss this for weeks and probably not get into a conclusion. But if you see the map, if you see the distribution of the map, how the cases are rising here and there and why not here and why, why not there? Uh, let's put the example, and you know everybody will take their own conclusions with with some of the information that we w- will share today. Is that you see Turkey, one case probably until yesterday, and then you see the other places there around there, uh, most uh, Muslim countries, 
and um, you see China, only one case, you know, it's a population of, it's an immense population. Um, and then Russia, Russia, only two cases, you know, large country, over a hundred, then 150 million a population with the large land. It's interesting, you know, it's interesting what's going on. Why? Why is the distribution like this? You know, we can think about different things. One, it's probably behavior, you know, public, you know, human behaviors. Um, that's that can be potentially one one of the reasons, one of the uh, causes of, of this distribution, because one population that we just mentioned, they don't tend to you know be as much as we think or as much as people there. Uh, with this type of behavior that I'm not criticizing anything. I'm just saying that, you know, geopolitically potentially can be that because I don't see any other reason in terms of the behavior of distribution. Because, you know, Russia and China, you look at more kind of backwards, not backwards totalitarian states like Saudi Arabia, where it is like quite literally illegal to be gay. Do you mean that in terms of and yeah, it's, it's not a criticism. I think it's I, I think it's closer to that line, closer, but not. I'm not saying that it's everything, but it's closer sure. to that line than anything else. And that's it's not a criticism. It's it's an observation. It's a scientific observation. Um, how was because I don't, I was born in 1990, so I don't remember. How does this distribution compared to uh, to AIDS in the 80s? I feel like that would be a pretty good marker for similarity. That that is a very interesting question, and the distribution. You know, AIDS basically started it just around 1982. First case 1981, 1982. I remember I was I was uh, I was in, still in high school, and um, and uh, it wasn't just uh, globally. It wasn't globally, but still. Like specific Muslim countries, they they didn't have that that much of of, of cases, you know. It was heavy in in Africa, heavy in North America, heavy in Europe. So it's interesting that you bring this up because uh, you know it was a, a little bit like like what we're seeing right now. So it, it's interesting, and uh, so monkeypox, Tommy, it, it's a cousin. It's the cousin of uh, smallpox. You know, smallpox has been eradicated since 1980 from, you know, WHO uh, showed that it was eradicated from the face of the earth in 1980. And um, they're cousins. So some of the medications that they developed for smallpox and uh, at least two of the vaccines that they developed for smallpox, they think it might work for, for the monkeypox. But I'm starting to see, I mean, if we see the numbers that we have right now, just four months after the first outbreak outside of Africa, if we continue with this increments in cases worldwide, I'm anticipating that by the end of this year, we're going to be talking about hundreds of thousands of cases. You know, the WHO, they haven't mentioned the world pandemic the word pandemic yet, 
but let's try to compare, okay? Apples with apples, okay? So the first declaration of pandemic of COVID, if I remember correctly, was around March 13. They waited. 2020. I they waited that. kind of a lot. And they mentioned that worldwide, uh, that it was a pandemic, when they had 118,000 cases in, in 120 countries and four, five continents and 4,000 deaths. Because obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's a, the behavior of the condition is, is different. But right now we have 65,000 cases in 106 countries in five continents. I think we're pretty close and, and, and very, very few deaths, very few uh, fatalities, very few. I think right now the, the, the number of fatalities, if I'm correct, it's 20. So it's, From it's, it's, it's not a lethal, it's not a lethal disease as, as it was uh, smallpox. Oh my God, smallpox, the lethality uh, of, of smallpox, it was up to 38% of people, 38% of people. Lord. On the other side of the token, Tommy, I, I am very, you know, I have been very surprised of what's going on worldwide since what happened with the pandemic and this interpandemic stage that we have seen starting this year. In, in January, we started with uh, with uh, hepatitis. I think we, we we discussed a little bit about hepatitis of unknown origin, severe hepatitis of unknown origin in in in, in children, and then we started to see raises in in cases of polio in New York, and then meningococcal in in the, um, Florida, and then now monkeypox in in uh, in May. And then yesterday in Uganda, they, they started with an outbreak of Ebola. So there's so many things going on at the same time that I really think that the WHO, the CDC, you know, uh, public health officials, epidemiologists and people alike, they, they have to come together and they, they have to form this, this committees of of uh, intelligent people to try to figure it out what's going on because can you imagine if we have all this amount of, of diseases at the same time what's going to happen with with us so it's it's kind of worrisome this this kind of deals i do remember that vaguely towards the end of the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic was uh online excuse me uh, that one of the, like, I guess the maybe positives or the critiques of before it was mainstream to be paranoid to the people that were being paranoid, the often uh, cited critique was it hasn't been labeled a pandemic, like relax, it's still an epidemic. And me, I, I, as guilty as anyone, I was like, well, there we go. It's just an epidemic and not really kind of seeing the, the silliness of just changing a word. And now the now we all act like our hair's on fire. But if there were the numbers that you cited for COVID and deaths, what you said around something like 4,000 before they called it 4, a pandemic. 4,000, exactly. Uh -huh. And, but 20 deaths of monkeypox, is there, 
is there a reason to call it a pandemic if and this is my own i guess my own shortcomings in in medical knowledge will be apparent here but is there a reason to not call it a pandemic if there's only been 20 deaths and or is there pandemic fatigue where uh right it was like right after world war ii the popularity of like the Korean war, everybody was like, shut up. Like, we're not doing this. Like this just ended kind of, I mean, you have a lot of, right. We just got out of the middle East and everyone's like, I'm not going to the Ukraine. Shut up. Is there any bit of that, which doesn't really sound medical. It sounds more like a, like a personal, but so those, those two facets with only 20 deaths, does that qualify like technically as a pandemic and, or, is there just a reticence to call it a pandemic because of fatigue? Basically, Tommy, the, the, the definition of pandemic, it's the extension of cases worldwide. It's the extension, not the number of deaths. So we don't we don't have to we don't have to wait to get more deaths for a given disease, communicable disease that most of the time pandemics are are classified on communicable diseases, but uh, the number of cases, the extension of cases worldwide, I mean, I really think that we are in the vicinity, in the border of, of, calling, of calling a pandemic. Uh, we're very close. I wouldn't be surprised, and I hope not, but I don't see, I don't see a way that this monkeypox problem will stop all of a sudden, just like overnight. I don't see how, because it's it's increasing exponentially, and it's it's I mean, it, it really worries people like me and and you know people that works in in public health and and uh, doctors because this is this is increasing tremendously, and if this continue like this, I wouldn't be surprised that in two or three months they will call it a pandemic. So it's the spreading of the disease, not necessarily deaths in a technical term. Exactly. So hmm, how do I word this? So then what your word, I'm, I don't think I'm pinning it down correctly, which is the, again, the lack of my medical degree. What is it about that if fatalities are down and cases are up, what is your I mean, aside from the, you're a doctor, you clearly have a big heart, you care for people, maybe I'm just cold. What is it that is about the cases increasing exponentially that is worrying you? If it if it's not, if it's not wiping people out and not overloading hospitals, is it that it, this is abnormal from its norm, I guess, statistically what this would normally do, its distribution? And if it's got a low fatality, although it's the cousin of smallpox, in my, again, my speculating opinion, it doesn't, you know, COVID wasn't a very effective bioweapon. If there's 7 billion people and it killed 6 million, that's less than 1 1,000th uh, effectiveness. And if this is at 20 people, that doesn't seem like an effective bioweapon. Then what, then what, what is your, what is your concern then? Is it just the numbers of cases for no other reason that the number of cases are going up. And I don't, I don't mean to be critiquing you. It's rather my, my lack of, I would imagine, medical education. What is it so much about the increase in the exponential increase in cases that has you worried? 
Well, basically, it's just the, the number of cases and the natural history of disease. So this is a communicable disease um, that it can be sexually transmitted. And uh, it's not a deadly disease. I mean, very few cases, very few deaths, very few fatalities in terms of a large number of cases. Um, so this is not, but, you know, potentially, well, not potentially, there, there is, apparently there, there, there is treatment right now and two vaccines. So I think it's going along that line that eventually I wouldn't be surprised that, guess what? Somebody has to get vaccinated. Uh, but it's, it's, I think it's kind of uh, too early to call that. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised that at the end of this year, if this continued this route, this pace, we're going we're gonna to be talking about uh, uh, in the hundreds of cases, hundreds, hundred thousand of cases, unfortunately. Until something happened, what? I don't know. So to walk that out, then, not an effective bioweapon, even if the distribution is wonky, well, then the next logical conclusion, again, that I'm saying, is that for money, they're making a killing. They're making a lot of money. I mean, we've seen it with firefighters, where they're not even making money, but there are countless cases of firefighters starting fires to put them out because they like to be the hero. Or maybe they're just bored. I don't know. But if there's money to be made and you have the government acquisition of, of vaccines in mass from emergency use or emergency authorization, well, they'll, where they'll just buy 100 million doses. If you're a company with fiduciary responsibilities and you're, and you're cashing out hand over fist and this is like Christmas every day, could it be that this is being incentivized? Is a more virulent strain being engineered? not to actually kill anybody or shut down society, because, again, that's what you would do as a nation state or an intelligence service if you wanted to take down another nation. But if you're just trying to make money, yeah, you know, it's like uh, the idea of planned obsolescence, right? You go get a refrigerator from the 70s, it probably still works. Buy a refrigerator today, it'll be broken in two years, so you have to buy a new one. They're not trying to kill you with the refrigerator. They're not planning a bomb in it. They just want you to buy another one. It's it's bad, but it's also like, yeah, it's, it's capitalism. Shut up. Could this be, again, in my words, not yours, could this be a case of that? Where if no one's trying to, if there's really no effect of trying to kill anyone or even shut down the economy, it kind of looks like, well, it kind of looks like it's working. We're talking about the exponential growth in cases, despite a very, 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 very low number of deaths, far below even COVID orders of magnitude lower than COVID. Could this be, as me saying, not you, but could this be someone just trying to make a ton of money, make a virulent strain, scare everybody, and then you just cash in on vaccines? Well, you know, after what happened with COVID, we learned a lot, and we haven't seen anything like this since 1918 to 1920 with the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. So there was not a lot of experience. All those doctors that were there handling that situation, they're all gone. So this is new for everybody. This is a, this is a, a uh, something completely new to, I don't care how good you are as a physician and uh, how, how much experience, how many books you have written or written. Uh, no one had the experience to to you know to understand and to fight this uh 
this pandemic. So, but now I'm starting to see a path, a pattern. I'm starting to see a pattern with all this, what, what we call emergent diseases, you know, that they used to be there, silent, dormant, a little bit there, but all of a sudden they're starting to come out, uh, including TB, tuberculosis. Um, and, you know, at the end, you can understand that there's no better way to control societies that, than sure. with uh, fear and, and the health-related issues. Especially if you didn't actually want to destroy the society, right? The the quickest way is, right, it's terrorism, right? It's a suicide bomb in a subway. But that's from either a religious fundamental or someone that's actually out to destroy society. If you're at the top of the society and society's treating you really well, you've got a billion dollars and a yacht, you don't want to destroy it. But maybe you want to control it. Maybe it's not just money. Maybe it's political ambitions. Maybe it's just the never-ending quest for power that you know humanity has been plagued with since the dawn of time. Yeah, right? It'd be like if I wanted to sell... If I wanted to sell you, Dr. Diaz, uh, uh, bulletproof windows for your house, but you're my friend and you're a good podcast guest, so I actually, you know, I don't want you to die and I don't want to kill you. That's illegal. (laughs) I might, though, if I'm making a ton of money off bulletproof windows, I might fire some blanks at your house, right? And then maybe shoot it with a BB gun. Just enough to milk the money out of you, but I don't actually want to hurt you. It could be something like that. Or or maybe not even make it money. The control thing, what if I just want you to stay home? That's what I do, right? It's literally cover fire. Where you fire in the direction of the enemy as your, as your buddy runs behind cover. So, and the only reason I bring this up is because what you're saying about the distribution. If this was worldwide, I guess you could maybe still apply the quest for power. That would still be applicable. But especially if it's only in Western countries. But then again... And I know I'm jumping back and forth. It also could be of we are a more progressive society. We are not, you know, we are not a, a Sharia state or a theocratic state that, you know, bans homosexuals and lesbians. It's it's just, you know, that's something where an observation would be that it probably would spread more here. I don't know. Or the thing I don't like, though, about all of it, it's it's odd that it's only in Western countries. That's weird, but it could kind of make sense just by you know you know homosexual behavior, the, the progressiveness of our society. But I don't like the fact that it's a cousin of smallpox. That's that's not innocent. That's not. It's one thing if it's a cousin of strep throat. You're like, yeah, yeah, strep throat sucks. It's a cousin of smallpox. That's. What did you say earlier? 38%? That is a killer. But maybe there's an Occam's razor to all of this. And it's reduced immune systems from either over hygiene or from vaccine injury. And in which case, we're seeing monkeypox rise but it could have been any disease and it probably will continue to be other diseases. And in a year we might say, oh yeah, monkeypox, but also TB, also this, that, the other, which is all still bad, but it is a little less nefarious. Yes. And we, and we can analyze this from this perspective, Tommy. So why 
and this is the why, and this is to everybody so we can analyze, you know, everyone, whenever they're, they're watching this podcast, they will analyze and they will ask the question, why in 2003 in the United States, when we have this outbreak of 47 people with monkeypox, nothing happened. 47, that's it. End of the story. Now, whereas in 2022, starting in May, why we have in the United States 24,000 cases. What what was <laughs> then and what is now? What was in between? There's only one thing. So everybody, they can make their conclusions. What could it be? I didn't say anything. You didn't say anything. You're innocent. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say it is it it the mandated uh, experimental gene therapy. It's almost like that. Um, You've seen all those like news articles over the past several months where it's like climate change may be causing heart attacks. If you, sh- if you shampoo your hair with your left hand, you might have a heart attack. Young men gardening might have a heart attack. If you shovel, well, people that shovel snow always tend that. That's kind of, that is a thing where you shovel snow and you have a heart attack because you're sedentary all winter. You could podcasters sitting up in a chair, have heart attacks at young age. I saw a, a parody article and it's, it's from like a, a satire news site and it goes heart attacks from everything except the thing we forced you to take. That's kind of like the verboten topic. Was it this? Was it the thing that was mandated? Was it the thing that was called safe and effective and that everyone got on board with? And if you didn't, you were a, you were a pariah. Could this be a case of like mass ego where no one wants to admit it's it's when you have to admit that you were wrong. It's a really bad feeling at the end. It feels good because you grow and you feel more mature, but right. It's that bad moment where you have to realize that you were wrong halfway through an argument and you, yeah, no, you're right. I'm wrong. It's a bad feeling. It's a human feeling. Could it be that, that no one wants to, and maybe not only ego, maybe also criminally. You know, I'm sure there did someone know this during trials that this could happen and they quashed it and they are now responsible for destroyed immune systems. And monkeypox is just the first thing that's rising of many. I mean, that's that's grounds for for jail. That's a crime against humanity. Best case scenario is jail. Could it be something like that? And I know, again. These are my wild speculations, not yours, but I'm asking you. Could it be something like that where, A, either no one wants to admit it because it means that you were wrong, or B, there's a lot of government officials and a lot of CEOs and a lot of celebrities on camera multiple times still tweeting, take the vaccine, do this, or you can't have your job. And what if it turns out that's what's causing this epidemic soon to be pandemic could it be that well you know it's it, it's been it's been a lot of things and and uh, since as as you know Kamiya, i've been i've been studying and tracking and following uh what happened with the pandemic since the first day since uh december 19 of 2019 you know i was one of those doctors that actively were tracking cases and 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 creating communities of doctors internationally to try to understand exactly what's hap- what was happening because I, I, I had the sense that there was, there was going to be out of control. And it did. Mm-hmm. It happened. It happened. And we learned a lot. 
have you seen, obviously you have, but you know, this people collapsing in front of the cameras and having heart, massive heart attacks, pericarditis, myocarditis, and uh, weird and rare cancers and so on and so forth. Uh, after what just we've been living this last uh, 18, 20 months, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been totally incredible. You know, it's incredible. And we seeing all the time, every day, every day. How come we're not, it might just be the effectiveness of the censorship machine. How come we haven't seen more doctors stand up to this? Because there's, that's like one of the things I loved about being pre-med. And I love, I hate a calculus, but like what I loved about organic chemistry, I loved physiology, I loved microbiology and cellular biology and physics and astronomy because it was definitive. If you took English literature or creative writing you know, the teacher marks you wrong because you use the wrong tense of a word. But I would always get angry. I'd be like, language is made up anyway. It's none of it's real, right? Versus like physics, it's like, nope, this water bottle, it's falling. Water has this density. You know, organic chemistry, you add a ketone and palladium with heat. It's going to cause this SN1. Re- I just loved the finality of it because there was no wiggle room. There was no negotiating it's you got it right or you got it wrong and that's what i will always love about science i've been disillusioned and really but above all else just surprised that you don't have across the board a hundred percent of doctors pointing this out and saying why are these why are these young people having heart attacks why are these athletes the healthiest people in the world why are why, why are kids having myocarditis? What are these fibrin clots? What are I'm sorry, two main reasons. Okay. Um, two main reasons. Either or are combined. Okay. Number one, ignorance. Number two, fear. Mm. So unfortunately, the vast majority of allopathic doctors, the vast majority worldwide, I'm talking about worldwide. We've been brainwashed since the first day of medical school, since the first day. They kept us very busy all the time, very, very busy all the time through medical school, through internship, through residency, and then through work and so on and so forth, that they don't give you time for critical thinking. Okay. You're only... Everything what what the book says or yeah. the article, just next guess time. who's writing those articles, guess who's writing those books and, and and sponsors and here and there. So we have to be critical. We have to have and create a critical thinking to 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 go and and see it outside of the box. That's the only way we can have and create better doctors, you know, better physicians, more in in relationship with the patient as a, as a whole, as a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it will change completely the way people in the world see uh, healthcare. And that's what I call biopolitics. Bio-politics. It's very interesting this time. We yeah. can spend a week talking about only biopolitics. I've never actually heard that phrase, before, <laughs> that that word before, but it's interesting. 
that is, I mean, I guess that is the next logical conclusion, right? Is, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd always be confused when I'd like meet like a doctor or something when I was shadowing doctors who was like a jerk or who had bad social skills. Because in my mind, I was like, but you're so smart. Like you're, you're, you're a brain surgeon. Like you got through medical school, internship, residency, fellowship. And it took me a while to realize, like, you can be brilliant in one thing and lacking in another. I mean, I, I can't say who because it will give away who it is. But I know a, a, someone who is one of the top like, medical officials in the U.S. from like, college. And my friend used to be like, yeah, but, dude, he, he forgets to tie his shoes. Like, legal genius, but forgets that, you know. May, who knows? Maybe Tom Brady can't do a math problem, but he wins Super Bowl, so nobody cares. <laughs> it could be. Exactly. It might be that it's it's ignorant, right? When you're tired, that's what that's what dictators and generals have or have said throughout history. Keep your men exhausted, and they won't revolt. They don't have time to. You're digging ditches. We're marching. Exactly. You don't have time to think about what are we doing. You just it's three square meals. You got a bed. And tomorrow we're climbing that mountain and we're digging it. You don't necessarily think about what is Stalin doing, right? And that's not your own fault. That's, you know, that's the the evilness of the leader. But I don't think that's necessarily intentional in medical school. I don't think there's some top-down group that's like, keep them busy. I think that's the nature of, and maybe I'm being too patient with it because I, I will always love medicine. I feel like that might just be the nature of the beast is like, yeah, you, that is medical school. That is residency. It's just you're a zombie just going the the years just blend together as you're just working and working and working. You probably don't have any time to develop critical thought and nor do you care because you're so tired and you have so many pages to read. Yeah, I mean, do you think this then leads to like a shakeup? Do you think in a year or 10 years we'll maybe start having like critical like critical thinking classes in medical school? Like, will they learn from, you know, in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, will they look back at COVID and, you know, learn from that and say like, always question authority. Don't just walk along. Or is this not just ignorance? Are they smart enough to know what's going on? But like you said, is it just fear? Which I can't condone, but I also can't necessarily, you know, judge because who hasn't been fearful in their life who hasn't shut up and just stayed in line what do you what if you had to guess which one it was more of is it fear or ignorance i think it's a well it's a combination of both things at some level and um i I really think that the educational level of medicine worldwide the, the the syllabus the 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 way they create the syllabus, it has to be reshaped and recreated. We have to, we have to create a new generation of doctors that have a, a critical thinking and and understand at a more holistic approach the patient because you're you're not treating diseases, you're treating humans, you're treating somebody. What I call the 360 degree view. If you are focusing only in the disease, what is written on the book or on the article, you're going to miss 95% of the movie. Yeah, You have to see the whole sphere, 
the 360 degree to understand exactly what's going on with your patient because you want to relieve that that pressure that spiritual physical morally and so on and so forth uh problems that they you know sometimes the patient they just want to have a shot with uh, chat with somebody have a conversation with somebody and and many of the times it, it's you it's a doctor yeah and they come here and they 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 uh they want to be they want to be listened by somebody and yeah. that's a that's an unparalleled opportunity for doctors to to provide uh you know good quality health care service to yeah. people yeah just listen to them try to understand them and try to not not everything is relieved by medication yeah it's not everything is like a stethoscope sometimes you exactly. have someone that's just scared shitless and they tell you about a bump on their shoulder and it's really not even about the bump it's just scar tissue but you are the guy in the white coat or the woman and they just kind of need to be able to talk to you and you just you know that's bedside that's literally that was like part of the interview at Miami Medical School in 2013 was bedside manner I mean, you, they literally put you in like a simulation. You had to go talk to, I, I, I think I failed at it, but like, you know, it's, that is part of his bedside manner. So I know we got, we got to wrap it up in the next five, 10 minutes is, um, so if we see, if we are going on the hygiene hypothesis, especially after COVID and, or the suppressed immune system hypothesis, to support that hypothesis, what predictions would you make in support of that? Is it that monkeypox is just the beginning and we will see another disease that maybe doesn't, you know, like you said, what happened in 2003, 47 cases, why is it 24,000 now? To support that hypothesis, should we see another disease arise, not just monkeypox? So what... Can you look at that? Exactly right. That's exactly right. And actually, we're starting to see polio, meningococcal rises, uh, you know, racing cases of TB. And now Ebola in, in countries like, for example, in Uganda, the last outbreak was in 2012. And yesterday, they saw a 24 year old male with signs and symptoms of Ebola. They did the testing and it was Ebola. And, you know, Ebola, it has a, a, um, a lethal rate from 41% to 100%. Oh. You haven't seen a disease like this ever. Oh, God. From 41% to 100% people die out of Ebola. And, and you know, it, it's, that's complicated. That's, yeah, you said smallpox is 38 Exactly. And now with Ebola, and we started to see that. And then with the, with the, general or universal weakened immune system and everything that we just went through with this kind of bugs i don't know what's going to happen and I'm, this is you know i'm not here to 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 uh to bring bad news but just reality this is what we're living and we, what we're facing on a daily basis on yeah we just have to be awake you know we we just have to awake and understand exactly what's going on and uh, this is why we have to create the committees of great doctors, you know, like people like our good friend, Dr. Peter McCullough, you know, Dr. Robert Malone, Pierre Corey, 
Dr. Joseph Mercola and Dr. Gold and so on and so forth. You know, there are brave doctors. They're, they're bringing their, their feelings, their heart, their braveness, their uh, knowledge and everything, regardless of the consequences. Mm-hmm. And they're there, but they're just a, just a very few. We need more people, more, more people brave enough to bring truth yeah and hope yeah and it's always easy to to pawn off responsibility on someone right i don't have kids so it's very easy for me to give advice about kids i can go you need to raise your kid you need to do that full-time that's your responsibility but i also don't have that responsibility so i'm allowed to go pursue everything i want in my own life whereas i have other friends who are 32 who all they're probably great fathers but maybe they miss freedom i'm kind of a jerk for being able to sit here and go yeah no you should take care of your kids and then just not give it a second thought that being said the pawning off of responsibility it's easy to go look at the cia and the fbi after 9-11 and go what's wrong with you and it's like yeah they are the experts but at the same time like you know you can't always pawn it off but at the same time it's what's wrong with you you are the experts we are all responsible, but there is, and it's easy for me to say because I'm not a doctor, but there's definitely a disproportionate amount of responsibility on doctors. You guys and gals are the the professionals with the white coats. You're the trustworthy ones. And much like there is bedside manner where sometimes they just need someone to talk to, doctors also sometimes have to be jerks. Or appear as jerks and go, hey, I get what you're saying. The reality is this is you need to lose weight. I've had a doctor tell me that. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm not 18 anymore. Oh, what do you mean? I'm 29. Well, you got a little bit of a belly. Sorry, dude. Start walking more. It hurts my feelings. Your body does not care about your adipose tissue. Your feelings, the adipose tissue and the hardening of your arteries does not care how you feel. But a doctor's there to tell you that, whether you like it or not, because they're there to make, you know, first do no harm. So there is, there is, I'm going to pawn it off, there is a disproportionate amount of responsibility on doctors to stand up and tell the truth because that's who is trusted the most. And if a politician says we're doing this and no doctors oppose it, that's silent endorsement. If a bunch of doctors stand up and say, no, 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 I went to 30 years of school, that has power. That's true. That's totally true on one side of the token. On sure. the other side of the token, Tommy, and this is a reality that we were facing on a, on a daily basis, just watching the news or reading the newspapers or social media and so on. Uh, there's a lot of lack of trust in this worldwide uh, healthcare authorities right now because of, we're, because we're, of COVID. we're seeing it on a daily basis, every day. So we have to we have to work now more than before to try to 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 have that accountability because we're losing accountability with people. Yeah. That that's on one side of the token. On the other side of the token, you know, even you know my heroes and these amazing doctors that they brought light of what's going on with the COVID and and uh, and the pandemic. I see very, very, including them, I see very few doctors worldwide 
they're, they're talking about monkeypox. I don't know why, and I don't understand why they're totally focused on COVID. I mean, COVID it's past is as part of the past. I think it's over. It's over. It's going to be, and I said it in the beginning of the pandemic. I said it probably the second week of January of 2020. I said, this virus is here to stay. It's going to stay forever. They're going to, man- they're not going to mandate, but they're going to recommend the vaccine once a year, just like influenza. And it will be like that. It will be like that. You will see it. And then, you know, every, everybody turned about, talk about the pandemic and everything. And they're still talking about pandemic. It's gone. Mm. It's already gone. It's, yeah. it's going to be here forever. It's, it's here to stay. But now we have monkeypox and we have all these outbreaks of all these other diseases worldwide here and there. And no one's talking about that. I'm worried about that. Yeah, that's odd because that's not even fear. There are a lot of people that didn't want to talk about COVID or because of fe- there seems to be no censorship about monkeypox. It's like no one. So what's that? Is it just. I don't even know what that. Yeah, that's not fear because there's no one. You don't get banned for talking about monkeypox. Why is that? I don't know. I don't have I don't have an answer for that, but I've been, you know, I've been tracking cases and I've been I've been <laughs> talking know. to my I've been talking to my doctor friends in Congo and in Africa in uh, Singapore in Japan in different places and this is this is increasing tremendously. I mean, it, it's something that uh let's let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. We will see what happens. And uh, I hope nothing happens. I hope it's boring and I hope we're wrong. But I don't really believe that that's going to be the case. But Dr. Diaz, it is exactly one hour. And I will let you go because I said I wouldn't keep you longer than an hour, even though I always say that. And then I always do keep you longer. <laughs> I'm, I'm evolved much like a disease. I'm evolving. I'm escaping. I'm escaping vaccines. And I'm natural selection is fine honing me to be a better guest. Or a better host. I'm losing my mind. Dr. Diaz, closing thoughts, closing words? Uh, Tommy, first of all, uh, well, uh, last but not least, um, it's an honor. It's an honor always to be with you. you. Um, I learn a lot all the time with you. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. And we have, we just have to stay tuned and, and see, and see um, what's going to happen in the next couple of months. I hope uh, things get better. That's my hope. But you know, reality sometimes it's uh it's worse than fiction. Yeah, yeah, that's that's stranger than fiction. Sometimes it's worse. But exactly, you also can't ignore it. Just because it's worse doesn't mean we can pretend it's not happening. Right. And um, Doctor Diaz, thank you for coming on here. Thank you for giving me your time. I love having you on. And of course, you know I love you, Doctor Diaz. You're the best. Same so. here, brother. Thank you so much. God bless you, and it's we'll stay in touch. Okay. Yes, sir. God bless. Dr. Diaz, everybody. I'll send you this episode when it's up. We will schedule another one. Thank you so much.